In this week's update, is the new US bullish rotation sustainable? Markets are short-term overbought and gold still needs to pull back. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Let's start with a normal market perspective. We're at a real inflection point at the moment where the markets really could go either way. But I would have to say that the probability, looking at the data and looking at the charts, the problem and looking at the earnings season as well, that the probability of a soft landing for America economically, in other words, avoid official recessions, have improved. They're higher, but that's not to say that they're high because they're not. But they certainly have improved with what we've seen in, in the earnings season and also what we've seen in some of the data points. But look, to be honest, they're they're negative, they're positive and negative, and they're open to some interpretation. So let's, you know, not get too excited about the situation just at the minute. The GDP figure that just came in was better than expected, but there were some transitory um, impacts in there, things that aren't sustainable. They were one-offs, um, or they're certainly not repeatable. So that GDP number that came in at 2.9 that the market is cheering at the moment uh, as the CPI comes down, so for the, from the market's perspective, this was this was Goldilocks. We were getting still getting good growth, but inflation was cooling off. The, the best scenario, but those headline numbers may be a bit misleading. Maybe. So the CPI was lower, which is a good thing, obviously, but it's still high. The um, key one of the key elements that the Fed looks at, which is the PCE or the personal consumption expenditure. That was also lower, so that's indicating that, that um, consumers are spending a little less. So those were positives. Um, and a lot of the earnings results versus expectations were better than expected. What we are seeing, though, is some very mixed outlooks. So going through some of the majors that have reported this week, I would say probably at least 70 to 75% of them exceeded expectations on both revenue and earnings, but the, but often the outlook was less than what the market had been pricing in. And so we saw quite a few of those share prices uh, come down a bit. So that's, that's where we sit both economically and fundamentally. Importantly, technical, which is even more important than, than the fundamentals, because that tells you what where the money is really going, what the smart money really thinks. The, the rotation to growth, which has been in play now since, um, well, probably you could argue since uh, early November, but has certainly accelerated in the last three weeks. That rotation to growth has improved. There's no question about that. Uh, and we've been looking at that through this video for weeks. But I, I would add that many charts at an individual stock level are either at the top of their range or they're at resistance levels uh, or both. So we're not out of the woods yet. We need to see continued um, outperformance because there haven't been that many, that many breakouts, really. They've just moved up to a higher level, but now we're really at the crossroads in, in many ways. So what will tip the US market one way or the other? Well, it's, look, it all gets down to the Fed next week. And in particular, like everyone's expecting 0.25%. They've already signaled that. That's what's priced in. And also what's priced in is a, a softening of the rate of increase and perhaps the terminal 
um, interest rate that they reach is not as high as previously thought. That's what the market is pricing in. Now, the Fed has been saying something different, but the market is not believing it. So very importantly, next week will be the, the Fed language around their outlook. So if inflation, uh, in, inflation cooling causes markets to price in a lower and shorter rates, rate cycle, and that's currently what the market is pricing in. Um, and better earnings versus expectations causes the market not to reduce PE multiples. So those two things are working together to drive prices up and also to drive the rotation back into the more aggressive sectors. But both of those things can and will be overridden by the Fed statement. The Fed statement is far more important than what the market perceives about inflation and about earnings versus expectations. So what the Fed says next week is, is absolutely critical because that controls the liquidity which is either being added or withdrawn from the system. And it's not as simple as just looking at, um, at quantitative easing or quantitative tightening or what they're doing with, uh, with bonds. They're, it's a far more complex um, interplay between different, um, different levers that the Fed can pull. Um, so that really is it, because there really is quite a strong correlation between liquidity and the S&P. So, you know, that's, that's the key to where markets go over the medium term. If we look at American stocks, they gained 2.4% for the week, so that was pretty robust. Um, the economic and earnings data, as I said, is, is mixed. It's probably a bit more positive than negative, but it's still mixed. If you're a bear, there's plenty of things to find that, that supports your case. If you're a bull, there's plenty of things to find that supports your case. So I'm sort of back to sitting on the fence to a degree and being guided by the charts as far as the overall market sentiment goes. But I would add that looking through hundreds of charts in both America and Australia, uh, well, not so much Australia, but certainly in America, most stocks are lacking momentum. There's not that many stocks that have got real momentum. We're getting some spectacular bounces from drastically oversold, and we've seen uh, Tesla just you know rebound to a phenomenal degree. I think something in excess of 50% uh, just in the last um, the last couple of weeks. And also the speculative end is really spiking up as well. Uh, overnight there was some significant moves in um, in the ARC funds. Kathy Woods, you know, highly speculative. Um, small cap stocks that aren't going to be making a profit for, for many years. So those had some quite spectacular bounces as well. And, and I wonder whether it's, you know, this, this, was the, this was the final surge before the market sort of cools off and turns down again. It remains to be seen. The US dollar index uh, was a bit lower, down to 101.94, but not much change there and is sitting right on support, as we'll see. The 10-year yield still is steady, still holding around three and a half. Uh, the VIX was lower down to 18.5, so the market is, is pretty relaxed about, about risk. It's definitely a risk-on sentiment at the moment. And the 10-year, two-year spread is still sitting at the same level that it's been at now for months, 0.67. And I, I would point out, and I think I'm correct in saying this, that with such a negative spread between the 10-year and some of the shorter uh, ends of the curve, the, the two year and the, and the three month, being so negative, there's never been a, uh, a situation where a recession didn't come from that. 
you know, that that situation didn't precede a recession. So if America avoids a recession this time round, then it'll be, and I think I'm correct in saying this, then it will be the first time ever that it's happened. And, um, you know, I probably wouldn't be betting on that a great deal. So that's why I'm just a bit sort of cautious that, that you know, all's well and there's going to be this massive continuation of the rally in, uh, in growth stocks. It might, but I'm just, you know, keeping my... Um, uh, keeping my options open at the moment. So let's take a look at some key charts. This is the S&P. This is the downtrending uh, line that we've been watching that connects all these peaks very, very nicely. And um, you can see <clears throat> in the last few days we've broken out. So there's no denying that there is now, now a breakout. Uh, and it's a confirmed breakout above that downtrending line. And, and that's significant. But we've also got to get through these peaks. And this is really the, the meaningful peak that we have to get through to indicate that the indices are going to continue to the upside. Um, so this at the moment is sitting at uh, just on 4,100 points. Now you can see that the index uh, on Friday night um, got to within a handful of points of that and then, and then sold off, sold off about 20 points. So whether that is it technically, and we're now going to come back down and maybe follow this line um, back down to the downside, um, you know, we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. But a lot of stocks are looking like this. They've bounced, they've bounced from oversold, but they're at the top of the range or they're at key resistance levels. The NASDAQ or the QQQ is not a lot different, looks almost identical, and you can see it finished also in line with these uh, previous peaks that we saw at the end of November and in the middle of December. So the same situation uh, applies there. If we look at the all-important spread charts, this is the NASDAQ versus uh, NASDAQ 100 versus the S&P. Now this one has, the ratio has gone above the previous peak. Not by much, but it did in the last two sessions. So that's, that's meaningful. Um, so that, you know, that's a tick for the bullish side of things because the NASDAQ outperforming the S&P is a definite bullish sign. This is the large cap versus, uh, large cap growth versus large cap value on a weekly chart. We're still in clear downtrend. There's no question about that, but this has been a pretty, uh, a pretty robust bounce in that ratio. So this is, this is showing you that money has been rotating out of so-called value stocks and rotating into large cap growth stocks. And, you know, if, if you follow the market closely at all, then you would know that all the major um, tech stocks have been going up. Um, Apple and, uh, and Meta and Google and Amazon. So, of course, this has rebounded. This is the really important US semiconductors versus the S&P. And... The key, the key one here to me, I guess you could argue that this was a meaningful peak, and, and it was. So we've got above this meaningful peak. We need to probably break through this one as well, but certainly semiconductors are looking better, and that's another tick for the balls. There's no question about that when semiconductors are outperforming, so they're on the way back. I would add, though, that there's only been a couple of, of um, earnings reports. Uh, earlier in, um, in December, there was one from... Uh, Taiwan Semiconductors, which was okay, and the market accepted that one without too much drama. Uh, but on Friday night, uh, Intel reported. Now, in Intel is one of the 
poorer quality of the semiconductors, but it's a major. And their report was, was pretty ordinary. They, um, they missed earnings by a big margin. Um, so the, there are another four or five of, of the very significant semiconductor stocks reporting between now and the middle of February. So what they come out with will be important. Another one to look at is a stock called Kalac, which is, um, does testing in the semiconductor area. And that is a real quality blue chip company and the price has been doing extremely well. But, and they beat expectations on Friday night easily, but their, their outlook statement was disappointing. So that might just be an indication. And that's, you know, that's why I'm, I'm not just focusing on the headline numbers, I'm looking under the hood and you know, that, that was an unexpected result for me. So that just keeps me cautious on, um, on the semiconductor sector. I'd just like to see a couple more to see what their outlook statements look like. The final one I want to look at, this is consumer discretionary versus consumer staples. And this is put, turned around absolutely big time. But look, this is, um, this is Tesla. This is this 50% plus turnaround in Tesla in the last three weeks. And Tesla really did come out with some pretty good numbers. You know, this isn't hype. This was a pretty good report uh, from from Tesla. So um, I must must admit I'm I'm a bit surprised. I didn't expect Tesla to do that well. Now let's check in on the currencies. Um, this is the DXY, the US dollar index. We're getting close to really key support here, um, or you could argue that we're you know pretty much on it. But we are in a um, we are in a long term uptrend. This is a monthly chart. So the bottom here was August 2011. So we've been trending higher now for more than a decade. And this is a pullback in an ongoing uptrend. So if this support level holds and the US dollar goes up, there is a very strong correlation between, or it's an inverse correlation between the US dollar direction and the S&P. And if the US dollar is rising, then in you know shorter time periods, then the S&P will tend to go down in shorter shorter time periods. So if this turns around and goes up, then I would expect the S&P will weaken. If this support breaks, then I think that will be a spur for the S&P to head higher. So that one's important. Now, the Australian dollar has been being advantaged by what's happening with the US dollar, of course, um, on the cross rates. but they're also getting a strong bid from around the world because they're a commodity, effectively a commodity currency and with the China reopening and strong and strengthening commodity prices, then the Australian dollar is, is getting some extra support. And so we closed up here at, um, at 70.37. Just while I've got the, the, uh, the charts open here, I'll just look at the A6200. All time highs, 76.30, we closed the week at just under 7,500. So we're, we're only um, 130, 140 points off the all-time highs in the ASX 200. So certainly one of the better performing indexes around the world. But as we know, there's really only you know 10 or 20 stocks that really determine what, what the index does. So to me, the, the ASX 200 is, is hardly a true representation of our market. I don't know why there is so much focus on it, to be honest. This is XMJ, this is Materials Index, which has been certainly leading the way. It's at uh, all-time highs. Um, in fact, we did finish at an all-time high on, uh, on Friday. So that has been a big supporter of the 06200. This is uh, the energy sector still in uptrend. 
And if we look at finance, also bouncing back fairly nicely and not very far off its all-time highs either. So they're the, they're the components, they're the drivers of, of the Australian market. And just one other quick one to look at. This is XEC, the Emerging Companies Index, for those of you that are more interested in um, small and microcap stocks. Um, this is the benchmark for Australia's microcap micro companies. Contains up to 200 companies that are ranked between 350th and 600th by market capitalization. So let me just confirm all those details. So 70.37 is where our dollar is. Our index gained just a little bit, but I would imagine we'll, um, we'll do okay on Monday. Um, materials and banks were the leaders last week, um, and the nature of the China reopening is a key factor for our materials stocks. If they manage to open quickly, then it's obviously a good thing but there's plenty of commentary out there that they're going to find it very difficult to do that, that it might take a lot longer for China to really get to that, that fully reopened status. But one of the problems we've got in Australia came out through the week, and that is our CPI. Unlike the US CPI, which is coming down, our CPI isn't. That's a problem. And what, uh, and what the Reserve Bank decides to do about that is, um, is a bit unpredictable, and the impact on the market is a bit unpredictable. But look, all of this discussion about what indices are doing really misses the point because there is parts of the Australian market that have just gone gangbusters and have been um, for a long time. Um, so we just fish in that pond and, uh, and forget about the rest of them. But you've heard that before. Precious metals, gold was flat at 1928. We came down in in Aussie dollar terms because our currency went up, so we're down to 27.40. And overall in gold, whilst it's uh, it's still a little bit of a, a mixed picture, I certainly see more bullish signs now than I did, you know, two months ago. Um, however, it's overbought. Gold is overbought. Gold stocks are overbought in the very short term. So the, the current risk for reward is not attractive. So we really need to see some sort of pullback there. GDXJ, the global uh, index for um, for everything uh, but the, the absolute majors, um, is still looking okay. Um, and I, I want to make the point that, that bull markets can be absolutely life-changing events in the gold market. You know, gold stocks in true bull markets, if one is organized and can get in early and manage them well and manage the volatility, they are absolutely game-changing because 10 baggers and 20 baggers are more the norm than not. So gold, I'm not saying we are about to embark on a big gold bull market, but the odds around it have improved significantly. One of the things that has surprised me, though, about particularly the Australian gold market, and I, and I don't see why any other market wouldn't be any different, is production costs have really soared. And... Australian gold miners are now pushing uh, up towards $2,000 an ounce, all in sustaining costs. And, um, you know, that, that has ripped up there very, very quickly in the last, uh, the last year. So that Australian dollar of 27, Australian dollar gold price of 27.40 um, does not point to, to the sort of super profits that the lithium sector has been getting, for instance. Now, um, through the week, uh, I, I posted a video on YouTube uh, about the principles of playing gold, mar gold bull markets really well. 
Um, and it's it's just general principles. They're evergreen principles, but look, they will stand you in very good stead. So there's a uh, there's a link uh, below this video to, to that video. I'd really encourage you to um, have a look at it. It's fairly short uh, and to the point, but uh, I think you'll you'll find it very effective. So let's jump in and just look at those particular charts. So gold on a daily. So we've had a very nice run up. We haven't had the pullback that I um, I would have thought that um, that we would get. Certainly the pullback that we've been seeing so regularly for several years. Every time gold looked like doing something positive, then it would get uh, it would get whacked back down again. But this time it's proving harder to do. If we look on the weekly, you can see just a pause week really, or a couple of pause weeks. Um, so gold, gold at the crossroads, this is an important support level just here. I'll just draw that one in. Um, gold at the crossroads, we'd love to see it come down a bit. Um, 18, 1875 would be good. Uh, 1810 would be even better. And I think that would, um, that would really open up some, some very good opportunities in gold stocks. Uh, looking at uh, GDXJ, it's going up. But it's not, you know, it's not really setting the tent on fire at this stage, I have to say. And we can see a bit of a pullback in gold stocks on uh, on Friday night. And often, in fact, I like to see gold stocks leading the underlying metal because that tends to be a truer indication. So um, be interesting to see where um, where gold stocks go from here over the next couple of weeks. Turning now to other commodities, um, copper was up uh, to two, uh, 4, 4.24, up a little bit. Nickel also up. Um, and nickel's been left behind. A lot of the commentary now has moved on from from lithium has moved on to copper and how you know copper is, um, is starting to do well. And nickel is still getting forgotten about, but the EV demand for nickel is, um, is going to light a fire under nickel at some stage. So, um, you know, that's... That's certainly an area not to be forgotten. Uh, crude oil um, fell back to uh, 79.4. And um, in the battery materials space, I read something through the week, and there's just so much um, counter commentary at the moment about particularly lithium. You know, is, is the party over? Have we seen the peak? Is, are the lithium prices going to come off significantly? And therefore, the stock prices will come off significantly. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of robust debate about this. Um, but the, what I read during the week, which I think rang true with me, is that the, the gigafactories all around the world are being built faster than mine development can occur. And a lot of the bearish commentary about lithium from investment bank analysts who may have never been out in the field, out in the real world, um, is that mine development invariably takes a significantly longer period of time than what anyone wants or expects and and to understand that you need to you need to listen to the people that build these mines that have had the experience over the last decade and um, so i think that is a really important balance point that uh, is probably going to ensure that lithium does better for longer than what some of the bearish brigade are currently saying there's the spot copper chart not a lot of change during the week, but certainly in pretty robust uptrend now. There's the five-year 
copper warehouse LME, um, London Metals Exchange copper warehouse stock levels. They're really down at, um, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel down there on a, on a big picture view. There's the one year um, nickel chart. It's, it's in uptrend, but not really as steeply as copper. And there's the five year LME um, nickel level as well, inventory level. And that's also pretty, well, it's at five year lows. Uh, there's no question about it. So those things tend to put, you know, as long as demand doesn't slip back, then those low inventory levels will keep upward pressure on the, um, on the commodity prices. Wrapping it up, as I said at the start, markets are at cross, crossroads. Um, and, and if you like, the Fed is standing there as the traffic cop for the indices. They're going to determine with their outlook statement which way the indices go, which way sentiment goes, which is really what the, what the indices are showing us. But the ensuing volatility is a huge benefit for people that are investors that are well-organized, that understand their attack plan intimately, uh, and so few people do in my experience, and they also have a mechanism to stay alert to the target list because it's one thing to have a target list, but sometimes it, you know, your, your target may not, your target price may not emerge for three months or six months. And a lot of people have wanted to buy a stock and then they forget about it until it's, you know, just gone up 50%. So you've got to have those two elements. You've got to have your plan, you've got to have your target list, but you've also got to have a mechanism to stay alert to the target list. And that's one of the key things that, I addressed last week in Portfolio Analyst and also with Insiders Club members. Did it specifically on how to harvest the tremendous opportunities in lithium uh, and also presented my very um, well-researched uh, watch list as well. But you can take that template and you can just apply it to other parts of the market. You apply it to copper or to gold or to healthcare or you know whatever it might be. It's a very simple plan. It's a very effective plan, and if you don't have it, then I think you're just reduced to just you know buying whatever comes under your nose at the time. So, which is you know not a very good plan, not when markets are volatile. So that was portfolio analyst last week. That's it for uh, this video. There's more information on the website. It's my email address. I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers. It is quite easy to lose money in the stock market without well thought out, sensible rules applied consistently. Any advice in this video is general advice only. Neither your personal objectives, financial situation or needs have been taken into consideration. Accordingly, you should consider how appropriate the advice, if any, is to those objectives, financial situation and needs before acting on the advice. Gary Davis, AR317590, is an authorised representative of Primary Securities, AFSL 224107. Past performance should not be taken as an indicator of future returns. And a note to traders, the publishers of this material wish to disclose that they may hold this stock in their portfolios and that any decision to purchase this stock should be done so after the purchaser has made their own inquiries as to the validity of any information in this material.